Hi there and welcome back to Deep Shit Podcast and I am here with Virginia from thefeministshop.com. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, we're excited. I feel like I introduce people and then I'm like, we've talked about this for so long and finally we're doing it, but we have. So I am really keen to share your story and what you do and why you do what you do and what you hope for the future. So. You're from Spain. Yes, from Madrid. Uh, but I've been living in Belfast for over five years now. So this is home now, I guess. Would you ever become Northern Irish? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I lived in Belgium, I was on the point of like becoming Belgian. Really? And I would have done it. Oh no, I, well especially not now with the Brexit, because why will I get an Irish passport and mm. I don't want a British passport out of principle? Uh, so, <laughs> no, I just think especially with the Brexit, I think I'm not going to get into that bullying thing. So, mm. no, I awesome. don't want to. And your kids are dual nationality? My kids are Spanish and British. Mm. So whenever we travel, Chris has the Irish passport, I have the Spanish and the kids the British. And we are a very multinationality family. Mm. So you're in business with your husband, Chris, yes. who's from Northern Ireland. Yes. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about your business and what it is and what it does and why. And then we'll go into the backstory. So what, um, so we have the feminishop.com and um, very soon, hopefully by the time the podcast is out. Yeah, I would say it'll be launched. Yeah. Um, and it is a website that is going to be, well, obviously a shop where you can buy ethically produced um, apparel, gifts, um, wall art, uh, and a lot of books because you cannot understand feminists without reading mm. um, about it. And also a lot of information and resources of every sort. Um, so what we want to do is to be the brand, the ethical brand um, of feminists that give back to the cause uh, and also a hub for information. So we want people to come to us and see, you know, which articles are they sharing, what are they talking about, uh, which podcasts they're recommending, which um, videos will I be watching, and, but also, you know, buying what we call wearable activism. Uh, which are products that also give you the chance to start conversations because that's where it all started. Cool. And when did you have this idea? Uh, well, I I guess this Christmas, um, by now I'm known to be as a radical feminist mm -hmm. with friends and family, so whenever it was Christmas time I wanted to buy feminist presents to everybody just to feel that myth. Um, and I couldn't really find anything that I loved. Um, or definitely not a place that I knew I could go to. So some of the places I found, they were very unethical or they were just like not quite doing it for me. Um, and I could find things, but they were a bit dispersed but here and there. So we just talked, Chris is an e-commerce geek. That's, that's what he does. He, he's been working in e-commerce for years now. And, and we always talk about how good would it be to work together. And suddenly it seemed obvious, like mm -hmm. his passion, my passion, um, it started like something smaller and then you know we got excited and then we need this well then we need to be working with associations that we need to be sharing this and and it's been taking over our lives since for months now since probably march um but yeah that's amazing and let's talk about the ethical side of it because we quickly spoke about that this morning beforehand yeah. uh well that was super important for us i mean uh, especially if uh, industry and um, fashion industries is not the most ethical and the most environmental friendly 
So we were we were determined to make something that we could feel proud of. And so it's all about changing the world, but we don't need to destroy it on the world. So um, so we did a lot of research about which kind of products we wanted, and we found some that are um, organic cotton, and they're um, they're done in a factory with renewable energy. So they reduce off carbon footprint is by ninety percent, which is really good. Really? Um, also, it's fair trade, so um, all our producers um, have, you know, um, a lot of ethical and social um, measures in places in the factory. Uh, the fact that it's print on demand is really good because it means that we won't produce anything that is not sold already. Because we, we live in a world where you want to produce things and then <coughs> sell them, which we think is completely incorrect because mm -hmm. that means that you're making wastage and forcing people and then getting the loop of reducing the price to get away with the stock. So what we do is we only produce what we um, what we already sold and also we do drop shipping which means that the product will go directly from the factories to you or from the printers to you so we avoid the carbon footprint of having sent to us for us to resend it to you. So it's cheaper uh, for everybody but it's also uh, much more environmentally friendly. Amazing. So what is feminine feminism to you? So feminist um, for me and um, what it is. Yeah, it's I'm about, on board with you but it, it's, <laughs> it's about um, it's about equality, social, political um, and real equality uh, in rights and opportunities for every gender. Uh, and probably acknowledging that we're not there yet. Um, I think that part is a bit key. Uh, a lot of people is like, yeah, yeah, I'm all about equality, but we are already equal. Um, so I think I, the awareness about the lack of equality is what, um, what is key. And you know, the, the predisposition or the, the need or the willing to fight um, for a change. Mm. And what, what's equality to you then? You kind of just answered that, haven't you? I mean, no, no, so what's, what's the, if, if you could have full equality tomorrow, what would that mean to you? Well, the problem with equality is that sometimes it seems that it's something about um, taking boxes or, uh, you know, you have the right to vote or you can access this or this. But I think the problem is that this system, this unequal system is very rooted in society. So we have less role models, we are educated differently, we talk to kids differently, we, the clothes we have for kids are different, uh, the speaking times in, in films, the characters in books, everything is from very beginning. We keep sending the same information from different angles from very early stages. So it's not something that you can fix with a law or by seeing that in paper everything seems okay because it's much more subtle than that and there's a lot of differences that we need to be aware and start making changes in a proactive way so i don't think we can get real equality tomorrow even if we mm. try it is but equal real equality um yeah will will be definitely education based from from the very beginning from the kids just to tear apart those stereotypes and do you think it's intersectional in terms of race, a bit disability, oh, yeah. ability? Oh yeah, I think every class. every um, every privilege sums up or multiply. So I know that I have less 
privileged than Chris, for example, my husband, because he's a, a man, but obviously I have much more privilege than a black woman. And, and it doesn't only sum up, I think it multiplies. I mean, I think the reality of, um, of people with cross um, situation is, is much higher and is much more cruel and, and obvious and we don't realize. So we think that, okay, well, you're a woman, so let's say you have minus 50 points and then you're black, so you have other minus 50 points, so you have minus 100, which is not true. They probably get minus 500 because they keep multiplying and they're just, they, they, they're lonely in both battles, I guess. I guess their demands and their experiences get silenced both in, for example, the black community and the feminist white community, which is you know, more painful. Mm. So yeah, yeah, feminists need to be um, like intersectional and and for everybody and, and fight all those causes as well at their core. I didn't see all the way. Mm. Do you think it's an overused word, feminism or feminist? I think it's, in my opinion, like I'm really into diversity and inclusion and that's a lifestyle for me. And when I see someone who's talking about diversity, but I know they don't act it, it's like quite frustrating. Whereas feminist, it's kind of sexy to be a feminist. You know, it's cool to do a feminist quote online. What, what are your views on that? I mean, that's just my opinion, but. Um, I am more pessimist than you. Mm. Uh, I think, to be honest, I'll take it as a victory even. I don't mm. think, I don't, I don't think feminism is sexy. Mm. I mean, only 33% of people, of women in, I think it's something like 35% of women, 29% of men in the UK consider themselves feminists. Mm. That is ridiculous. I mean, that is 70% of, of women saying they're not feminist. Is that the stats? Yeah, Jesus. which means that feminists spend a lot of time explaining what feminist is. Mm. So if they give me a penny every time I say what feminist is all about equality, I'll be a millionaire. Mm. So if we got feminists to be something that you're proud of, even if, you know, you don't do it perfectly because it's a learning process. Even the fact that you're not scared of the word feminist, even the fact that you want to just jump into the train, I'll take it. I'll take it as a victory tomorrow. Brilliant. That's helpful. Um, I think that is one of the big goals of the feminist shop, actually. Just get people closer to the concept and feeling comfortable around it and understand it better. I know I'm not the same feminist I was three months ago. I'm not the same, definitely I was not the same when I was five years ago. When I th thought feminist was awful and I didn't need feminism. Um, and I think we cannot expect people to do it all right. It's not an all or nothing. It's like um, recycling. I'd rather have a million people doing it a little bit than three people doing perfectly. So obviously we want everybody to be amazing at this. I want to be amazing at this and I'm just learning every day. But, but in the meanwhile, every person that feels comfortable saying I'm a feminist, even if they do it because it's trendy, I'll get it. Do you think, like what if someone that you know says they're a feminist on social media, but then you know there's like, oh, women should be making us a sandwich. Well, then I call them out for that. Aye, that I would, mean, that's I kind of what I meant. But, but I will be calling out that part. Yeah, so exactly. if I knew he's not, or she is not, and he said, oh, I'm a feminist, I will be, be like, oh, I'm very glad to hear that you're a feminist mm. because 
you know, I'm, I'm so delighted. <laughs> Please welcome to, to the party. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, like, oh, so I imagine what you used to think about this doesn't apply anymore. Um, I don't think I will challenge the, them feeling feminist. I will try to challenge the things that I think it make it, mm. you know, not possible to. But I don't know many people that are that openly misogynist yeah. claiming themselves feminist. I think yeah. it's different with racism, for example. I mean, with feminists, it's very easy to say you hate feminists because feminists aren't haters, feminists are ugly lesbians that don't shave and all those mm. things. It's very easy to say it's about angry women, supremacy, feminazis and all that. So it's, it's more difficult, for example, with race. You cannot mm. say, nobody says I'm a racist. Happily, everybody denies this and fight it, no matter if the aptitudes or the comments, mm. you know. I was literally about to ask you what the common myths of feminism were. You just said them. Ugly lesbians. <laughs> oh, it's funny, but really not funny. So tell me about your upbringing. Let's go back to how I'm you so ended up. I'm so glad my cannot understand me. <laughs> oh, I you can say it in Spanish if you want. Like, no, 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 I'm actually glad I can't. Oh, you're happy you can't? Sweet. Let's, let's uh, dig deep. Let's do this. Uh, no, it's just because him and I are arguing a lot mm. about everything now. And I realise... Um, so I was um, brought up, um, obviously by him, and he's quite um, he's a lovely man. I, I love him to bits. Very good person. Everybody adores him. But his political views are not something I will agree on anymore. Uh, but he is very um, outspoken and, and political. So I guess I, he's very influent. He's very good at influencing people. So that's what I was always I've always thought that everything that he said is what I thought and I love Aryan so I just made his ideas mine and I will defend them and um and now I see myself in the past I like I just want to have a conversation with myself like oh man you're getting it all fucking wrong sorry I said fucking no I said fucking um, um but it's like that my Angela quote when you know better you do better oh yeah yeah and that's like so applicable did your dad grow up during he grew up during the Franco time. Franco. Yeah. Aye, so like. Well, yeah. Conditioning. So, yeah, but so the. So my parents, mm. one is. Uh, my mum comes from a, a Republican side, mm -hmm. so quite um, left wing. I'm not going to say. Well, my granddad was probably quite liberal. Mm. So is my mum. My father comes from a very Franco political side, and mm. he's a military himself. Mm. Um, wow. That sounds worse than it is, but yeah. No, it's interesting. <laughs> but, it's really interesting. But he is, um, so he's military, and so they're coming from completely different backgrounds and completely different um, ideas. Even if they were born at the same time and they were, um, you know, living the same times. Funny enough, my mom side of the family would be richer, which they are the left wing side, and my dad's side of the family were like quite. Um, poor um, and he is a doctor comes from a very small village had to study the whole career through grants and work very very hard to get where he is and and I think that's whenever I talk about privilege it's like well because I was poor and I was like and that's great that's a privilege you didn't have yet you had other privilege so your sister wasn't rich either but she didn't have the same opportunities than you because she was a woman mm. So it's not. It's about 
it's, it's very obvious to see that you know you had as bad as you had it you had it better the same way as as bad as other people had there's always somebody worse and it's, it's about acknowledging where we are I'm really aware now about my own privilege which I wasn't before and it is quite it changed me a lot I would have um, you know just not realize how much has been given to me that other people don't have mm. and yes I, I did pass my exams of course I passed them nobody studied for me but I got to study in a warm house with food in the table with free time and holidays I mean I didn't have to do two works come home to a freezing house help in the house uh, no like I was literally my only obligation was to study of course you can do a degree whenever but your only obligation is to study and people are praising you for getting good grades and and yeah of course I have better grades than somebody that didn't have that chance but how much is because I deserved it, because it's my, I mean, a lot of it is just pure privilege. I mean, I think it's very shocking when you realize. But yeah. yeah, and then when there's people around you who don't even notice their no. privilege. No, no. It's, I think it's uh, like accountability, where, where you can be aware, right? Okay, I have this and I'm going to use my privilege yeah. now to pay it forward. And then there's other people who being brought up in the exact same way and they're just kind of like well I'm entitled to x y or z or I I mean so that's interesting I just I just think that the word whenever people use the word hear the word privilege they get very insulted I mean it's like but why do you mean that I don't deserve this everybody like and it's like nobody and I think the key point is nobody wants you not to have the privilege what we want is everybody else to have the same as you. I mean, I don't want you to be a scare coming home at night, which is a male privilege. I mean, I don't want men to be a scare of being raped. What I want is not to be a scare myself. Mm-hmm. I want your privilege to become a right. I want everybody to have the same access to what you have. And I think people feel it's about strapping them from what they have. And and I think with with more privilege comes more responsibility because you're more listened. So we are in a position that we have an obligation to pay back for what we have and being part of the solution. Agreed. No, I do like that. And then, so after you, where did you meet Chris? So I met Chris in Paris. No way. Like when you were studying or what? Well, I was uh, running away from my um, ex-boyfriend. Brilliant. If you listen to this and kill me. Um, Yeah. We'll hunt you down if you try to. And... um, so it was, it was a messy time for me. I mean, I had a hard breakup. I was in the middle of a lot of sort of drama and I went to Paris for the summer. I was 23, I was very young in perspective. And Chris had been living there for seven years. So we met in the stairs, we were neighbors. We met in the stairs and he let me stay. Had a problem with my own house and then he let me stay in his. So um, for a weekend, I've just met him and him. No like, way. Yeah. That's so sweet. Also. Yeah, it was. Well. It was great. So, <laughs> so I was like, can I leave my luggage here? Just be just an hour. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then I was like, sorry, still can't get in the house. So he's like, well, sure, have coffee. And he's like, sorry. <laughs> Did you fancy him? No. 
here, listen to this, Chris. We've talked about. We have a list of people we need to block from this. <laughs> no, Chris no, and I always talk about about it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you really like me." Like, did he fancy you? Yeah, but I, I looked small. I I look younger. Mm. So Chris was thirty, I was twenty three, and he says that whenever I said I was twenty three, he was like, "Perfect." It's like at some point I thought you were seventeen, and he was like, "Oh." Mm. Um. So yeah, also Chris is very tall, and I'm really not tall. So we're like, it was like people were looking at us all the time in the street, like social services. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we met in Paris, um, and yeah. And he stayed a whole summer together, and then he moved to Madrid to be with me. No way. So when did you get together? Like, did we you build to... it up, or like that no, weekend no. was like the? No, no, that weekend nothing happened. Well, he left actually and gave me the keys to his house, and then came back on Monday, uh, and basically, kissed and decided that we were gonna spend the rest of our lives together. And Hold on. Why does this never happen to me? But it it. This is an amazing story though, and this is kind of what I was looking forward to because I know you quite well, but I don't actually know how you met your husband. I. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I remember like the day, the third day or something that we were together. Virus was like, uh, and I knew he was going to say, "Look," and I was like, "Look, me too," but let's not say. Yeah, it was very weird. The third day. Yeah. That was amazing. But Chris and I bought a house together, put all our finance together, you know, like joint accounts. Everything is yours is mine after 10 months and what a house. Good for you. I just knew. Yeah. Maybe you do, you just know what times. Yeah, I always think, it's funny because I always say, this is forever. So whenever I said, well, this is the one, everybody was like, we'll go again, Virginia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another husband. But I just knew. And so did Chris. And it's just always been easy. Um, so yeah, so he moved to Madrid because I hadn't finished studying. And he was starting his own business, um, and then he just decided to get a serious, proper adult job. Uh, well, another one he had. Before. What was he doing in Paris? He was working in a dating, uh, online dating company. Okay, amazing. Yeah, and then he got redundant because they closed the company or they sold it, and with that money uh, and that free time, he started Let's Loop which is a social media for music lovers. For what? For music. Oh, right. So just people sharing music. And and then he just got this job in, in Northern Ireland. So so yeah, we stayed three years in Madrid and then we've been living here for five now. Five years you've been here? And I met you like six months ago? Yeah. That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. My first year here was so tough. But then yeah, so what was it like going from Madrid to Belfast? You, were you always in Belfast? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, we were in Hollywood the first year. Brilliant. How fancy. How fancy. I know. Golden <laughs> Coast. I loved it. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, it was really hard. It was really, really hard because it took me a while to find people that were like-minded. Mm. And I'm all about people. I mean everything else can be fun about if you have the right network to support you you'll be fine but i felt so lonely and i felt just surrounded by people that were lovely people just not my people and i got like i didn't have a choice i was having conversations that i thought they were from another century it's like why are we even talking about this mm. um nobody got me i was talking about things that were important for me and it was like those eyes rolling Chris control your wife, shit. Oh, 
Um, oh, Virginia, don't you get bored about talking about those things? Can we just talk about the happier things? No, not happier things. So, uh, no, it was tough. Um, I wanted to get pregnant really bad, um, and I couldn't. They were telling us that we maybe could never get pregnant except with IVF, and we did get pregnant, got a miscarriage. It was like a lot of shit happening at the same time and in a very sort of lonely moment. Mm. But no, like I love it now. I'm really, really happy here. To the point that I realized that if something, I always thought that if something happened to Chris, I leave. Mm. I say, no, hopefully it never happened. Yeah. <coughs> but it hit me the other day when I realized that if something happened to Chris, I would stay. Mm. Because this is my home now. This is mm. where I am comfortable. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm doing it. I know who I have to talk with to do, you know, like I have my network in place and my life in place here. Yeah. Amazing. I love hearing that about Northern Ireland. Yeah, so good. And it has it's changed so much. Like when I left, I was so scared to be from Northern Ireland. It was so boring. And to be fair, that was 2004, Probably so it boring. was boring. boring. My life wasn't boring, but Northern Ireland, Belfast was boring. Because Cathedral Quarter didn't exist. Yeah. Where we went out, we had Shine, the Bot, the Egg, our local bar and it was just boring like now it's there's much more people there's it's a little bit more diverse on paper and uh, there's more people choosing to live here and to stay here and to be here so when you look for it there's more to do um there's more restaurants and people have hope i think people in northern ireland have a lot of hope it's just, and everything is changing so fast. I love it. Mm. I mean, there's more amazing restaurants than you can hope for. Mm. Um, that's also because I don't have a life to get out. So I know, same. <laughs> you can say it all online. I don't feel like I never like, look, look great. Yeah, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> when I first come here, it's like, there's literally three good restaurants mm. we've been to all. Like and Italian now, yes. or And now Chinese. it's like, oh my God, I want to go everywhere. And all the events that are happening, mm. um, Belfast is amazing for support for entrepreneurs. Really, really good. I'm finding mm. that great. Um, no, it's, it's changing so much. So what changed for you? Excuse me. Sorry, that was so right. I literally yawned and I know the question. I'm so tired. Um, what changed for you? Cut that for that. <laughs> Sorry. What changed for you in terms of becoming used to here and wanting to be here? Um, or finding your network. How did you find your network? A little bit, I think, through the kids. Mm. I think whenever um, I had Eric, I just landed with um, like my mom friends and that were going through the same and and the you know the support. It was it's just only three of us, but we will see each other almost every day. Text definitely every day and. And sadly, that feels, you know, really, really important. And um, also, then, um, I met my neighbors. We have the best neighbors in the whole world. Brilliant. Yeah, like so good. Um, and yeah, so sadly, things start sort of falling in place. Um, yeah, I think those things were key. Then I, I wrote the book, 
and that gave me a lot of uh, career-wise or uh, mission-wise, it gave me a lot of other new perspective. Um, I met people through a walking group in for moms and kids. It's just that suddenly the people I was meeting were the right one. That's you amazing. know, suddenly I was having the conversations I mm. want to have. Suddenly the people I was speaking with were super interesting. Um, all the, the there was so much common ground, which before I felt like there wasn't. As fun as as fun as they were, as cool as they were, there was not that. Oh my God! I could just be talking to you forever. Mm. Um, yeah. That's so, amazing. Yeah. We need more people like you in this country. So. No, but it's just that a lot of, to be honest, a lot of the people that that I that there are in my network now, they're people that either are not from here, mm. or they are from here but they left and came back. Mm -hmm. And whenever they left and came back, they felt the same thing than the people that are not from here, mm -hmm. which is that the people in I find that people here are very nice but they're not they don't let you in their inner circle mm -hmm. they have their friends they have their lives they have their families and they're lovely with you they're a great fun and but then there's like a barrier that you can pass that they don't invite you to their house they would not go to yours because time is limit mm. and they feel like I, I don't need more friends I have enough friends you know to cover my limited time mm -hmm. so I think people that are from outside and I've talked, I said that, I mean, we've talked about it lots with people in the same situation as me. It's like people that you feel like, oh my God, that's going to be a great connection. And then suddenly it's like, what? Can't we not? And suddenly, yeah, I just started meeting people that thought like that. And then because they were in the same situation as, and I'm a very open doors person. I have people over all the time. I love going to people's houses, inviting people over, um, you know, and then everybody that I was meeting was the same and, and it felt more like a community and a family and and it changed a lot. But but yeah, I think people from here that have never lived here, it's nothing bad about it. Mm. It's just that they don't need more friends. Yeah, it, I feels, that. it feels like there is a quote. And it's like, okay, I already, I need 10 friends. I already have 10 friends. I don't want to kill any of the ones that I got to get you in. So sorry, you're That's out. Not, it? It's like, you can have more friends. Um, yeah. I had that in Belgium as well. It took me years to like infiltrate. Is the world infiltrated? And it was like when you're in, it's like sweet, and that's kind of why I never expected to leave Belgium. So it was like, why would I not be Belgian then? And I don't have to be an expat or immigrant anymore because I'm white and an expat. You see, yeah, that's not the way it works. So um, also because you're British. <laughs> I'm not British. Well, well, I mean, uh, British as you're British here. This could be awkward. No, I actually am so Irish that I never would like consider myself British at all. But like I do get that I'm from Northern Ireland, but if I was away, um, you would never say never British, always Irish. But it's just that I am white. Mm. But for people, especially you know, like I will be mm. immigrant because mm. I'm Spanish, which really? is south. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think South Europe we're still immigrants. You, you, you don't, you don't get expat. Expat is a very, very you know. 
select club. Like the elite <laughs> of travelers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't <laughs> not, every, not everybody gets to be an expat. It's, it's just mad, guys. isn't it? It's mad. And it is that kind of thing where that never even crossed my mind until I started reading about it. And it's like, what the actual... I have, I have white skin, I have blonde hair, I have blue eyes. So that makes me... Like in the eye, but the then kid, it's mental, it. isn't it? It's mm-hmm. shocking. But and um, you speak English. And I speak English, which yeah, is so it seems like. stupid, but it's yeah. another extra thing where English speakers mm. sometimes expect that the world need to adapt to that. As it's, in, I knew people in Belgium who lived there for forty years, didn't want to learn French because it was like they speak my to, language. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's kind of respectful <laughs> if you're living in someone's country to speak their language. Or at least, um, I met a woman the other day and uh, she, she told me that she was in Madrid and I asked her, oh, how did you like it? And she said, well, I like it, but it was a bit disappointed. And I was like, oh, what's that? I was like, because people didn't speak English. Imagine growing up in Madrid and only speaking Spanish. Imagine. That's ridiculous. And in my case, I didn't want to be rude, but I was like, I know. Like, it's like, well, you would expect people to speak no, more wouldn't. English. Or it's like, or... You know, like, did you try this? But why did they have to try? And I, I reckon that every, everybody, I, I expect everybody in Spain to be better at languages because we rely a lot on tourism. Mm. But still, nobody gets to your house and tell you, like, sorry, just I'm disappointed that you do not speak my language when I'm the one traveling. But it's to that your house. It's like Yeah. It's that privilege okay. and entitlement where it's like, no, but I, it's that frame of mind. Yeah, like, like my sure language that, just go first mm, and then yours. But I just sure really didn't person. know what to say. Like, what can you say to that? Mm, I know. <laughs> Why my granny should speak English for your own comfort? I'm like, yeah, oh, that's, yeah. That's mental. So yeah, mm-hmm. golden ticket or not? So I you just feel so privileged. If you were a man, if you were a man, you would have nailed it alive. I was talking to someone about this and I was like, but you're a white straight man. You're like top of the pecking order. And did that go down well? That caused a big <laughs> argument. <That's laughs> I mean, what is, what is pecking? Go read the history books, like go and look at your, and then a lot of people will be like, actually, yes. Actually, no, a lot of people aren't. Some like, people, they're not. Like, no, they're not. A lot of people? Um, but it just is accountability. Like, if you can actually be like, yeah, I'm a white man and I accept and I will, I will kind of take, you know, I'll, I'll accept and try and try and help everyone yeah. up. And I learn type thing. And I listen. I'll listen. The things that won't apply to me, I won't feel the need to defend myself mm-hmm. because I understand they're not applying to me. And the things that do apply to me, I will bring mm-hmm. them on board. That's as easy as that. Whenever somebody say straight people are mean with gay. I just generally don't feel the need to say, well, not all straight people, because it's like, I'm not, but Mm. obviously they're not talking about me, they're talking about how we as straight people Mm. expect this, and that's fine, and I listen, and if it doesn't apply, it doesn't apply, and if it applies, you just bring it on board, that's it. I spoke out on racist institutions and the amount of white privilege trolling I got <laughs> and I was like I never said I wasn't my privilege like I, I definitely am my privilege yeah. but I'm actually like acting and using my privilege yeah. so uh back up that's like giving me shit for like you blonde woman I dare, dare you. you I didn't say I wasn't this yeah. it's when you can be aware of it and move forward with it and you know what like I've been in situations where I'm the only white person in the room or where there's distrust and I'm like I'll fucking take this because my race has really fucked up. So I'm just gonna like be with you like also I, I am in a um WhatsApp and Facebook group of amazing women. Um a lot of them they're um 
people of color, like women of color, mm -hmm. and they talk a lot about their issues, which I obviously I don't know mm -hmm. enough about. Uh, and they always share uh, news about, oh yeah, suddenly a white person says that, and suddenly it's news, you know. And and I I, I think about you a lot of those mm -hmm. times because I'm like. It wasn't about me, was it? No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> like if it was, it's and, okay. And, it like, wasn't, I and it's it not was bad. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the same whenever you get, a, and, and I just, I have to bring everything to feminists because that is something I know mm -hmm. about. And I can, I mean, I feel like it would be hypocr hypocrite of me to talk about race because I don't know mm -hmm. race. So, um, and I don't think I'm entitled to speak about it because I don't know enough and I don't leave it enough. So I think it's You're that's it's, it's intersectional. That's one of those that I just listen mm. and and just be like okay, but but so never I have to think about something. I'll bring it to something that I feel comfortable analyzing. So it bothers me when a man says something that women has been trying to say for so long and he gets listened. But it also makes me happy that that person has done it, and I encourage every man to do it. I think they do have a responsibility. And it always, and then I think about you mm. and the way you, as a white person, are bringing, you know, are trying to do a lot about race, and how it must be annoying because your voice will be heard sometimes more than theirs, and it's not fair. Yet, it's better than no voice being heard, and you know what I mean. And yeah. I think, obviously, the idea would be that you were needed, that you would just shut up, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. But the reality is that you will still have, sadly, more power in certain situations because you're not accused to have an interest. Mm -hmm. You're not accused of, of being an angry black woman mm. or an angry black person. I do get called an angry woman now a lot. Yeah, angry woman. <laughs> isn't it a pain? No, I'm not, I'm not even comparing because, yeah, yeah but I mean, you, if you're black and you're speaking out, you're yeah. straight away. Yeah. Oh, there. Uh, are you gonna make everything about race? Or if you're yeah. a woman talking about right. about about gender? Oh my God, Virginia is everything about patriarchy. Yeah. I mean, literally everything is about patriarchy. Everything is about race. Everything is about how the foundations of the society we live in are based on inequality, mm -hmm. like the foundations, and we've built on them. And we see them every day, and we eat them for breakfast and for lunch, and and we don't see them anymore. And there's black Ariel, and we make a drama because Ariel is black. But whatever we had, ninety nine percent of the characters are white because white is white is the neutral. White doesn't count. It's not a race. White is neutral, and everything else, you know, please dose it up. Men are neutral. But then I'm tired of seeing women all the time. Now you everything has to be a woman. <laughs> everything is a man, mm. and we don't say anything. Everybody's white, and we don't say anything. Everybody is able body, and we don't say anything. But if you have two or three on a row of something a bit different, not the human neutral, then the toys oh are my thrown god. out of the prams and, and the oh my god <laughs> again with these black people again with this woman everywhere in the posters. Hi. It's crazy, but I love that there is, there's just more where we are speaking up and aware. Oh yeah. And aware, and I get that. And, and like, angry. I love. I don't care. Like I be angry. But I don't mind. I think angry. It's better than being like you're either. Oh, what was it? You're either a bystander or you're a player. You can either stand and watch, or you can actually take action. 
and I will always take action no matter what and I understand if someone's like you know, I don't know like white savior or whatever white privilege fine you can think that if you want but I'm still gonna like fight and I will change shit I do not care I will change shit because there's no other way and I feel like we and our cer certainly circles we share have that kind of mindset of like yeah. why would you not why would you sit in your hoop and not do anything I know um, and I think I I think we all have different ways to mm. fight. I think what to me, um, what I do maybe not be the same thing as you would do or things, but I think it's really important that we all do the best, our best, as in nobody, somebody would not feel comfortable doing what you do because they're not just like out there or they're not, you know, more present. And there are some other people that will be a thousand times more present than you because mm. that's their personality. But I think we all have a responsibility with ourselves to do our best. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we change things. We have that's the conversations, it. we get up there, we just get out of the comfort zone and we just make ourselves accountable of our that's own it. actions. That's it. And like, it's doing something as yeah. long as you do something. But here, so then let's wrap it up with, um, I will have five random questions to ask you because I love this part, just random stuff. But how can you be, how can you put that into your everyday? Because I think for me as well, it's kind of like, where do I start with whatever? And it doesn't take going out and saving the world and changing laws and changing minds. But I think little things you can do every single day. So for me, it's things I talk about. It's reaching out to people in the playground. It's reading bits to my son where the hero's black. It's, I don't know, networks that I join. And it's people that I reach out to and build relationships with until they trust me. And then we can make a movement together. That's how I work in, like, it's my lifestyle. That's my purpose. How can we incorporate equality and feminism, aside from buying all your amazing stuff, which I intend to? Um, how do we do that in our everyday? I think there sometimes is the small things as, you know, call out, you know, in your WhatsApp group, whenever they just sound that misogynist joke, just say it's not funny. Just, just, just challenge people, make people awkward. Whenever you hear something, that is not correct and you know that is not okay don't just have to play the part or um, be aware one of the t-shirts we have that I love that says would you say to a man and it's just like check yourself whenever you're doing something would I say this to a man or would I treat like that a boy am I treating different a boy and a girl because we are not aware sometimes but we do we do we do treat different people because of the gender just and i see that with my kids and they're a year and a half and three years and they are treated different a lot and it's like they're just kids let's treat them as kids with their own unique special needs um so i think it's just yeah challenging ourselves to do things in we, one of the things i want to do in our social media is make weekly challenges um, a family so like challenge you this week to you know mindfully scroll on your social media and spot how many stereotypes you can see in, in you know 10 minutes like and then check like is the people I have in my social media you know which kind of message are doing I mean are they aware I know my social media is full of amazing feminist stuff that you know fuel me every day and and give me the right track but I know that I've, I've seen some of my friends like, just delete those people or call them out or you know, just surround yourself of, of things that make you aware and make you want to just be part of the change. 
I mean, it's confrontation isn't easy. Calling people out isn't easy. Just but it's empowering. Yeah. That's it. Unfollowing. Unfollowing toxic people was one of the best things I ever did for my mental health. Or yeah. muting them yeah, if you're afraid of offending them. Yeah, if you're not like, but if you're not a confrontational person, I am. I will confront them. Mm. But if you're not, that's fine. Just just don't humour them. Mm -hmm. Don't humour them. Okay. I mean, just don't be part of the problem. Mm. Just mute them and follow them. Just just get yourself out of the toxic things. Mm. Um, that's really helpful. I'll be feminist in Right, five questions. What turns you on? What one? Turns you on. Um, I'm a mom of two. <laughs> it doesn't have to be sexual. I know. But yeah, make it sexual. Make it sexual. Make it. <laughs> yeah, come on. We all know you want to no. make it sexual. Uh, what turns me on, to be honest, like um, an empty house without some time with my husband without the kids. Is that mm. bad? That's all. Um... What sh sound or noise do you love? What sound or noise? Um, I love um, the noise of... Um, I hate being this person, I know, but the kids' laughter is the best noise ever. What's your favourite word? Uh, feminism. <laughs> what purchase of £100 or less has positively impacted your life in the last six months? Um, can I say my own stuff? Yes. Okay, course. well, um, I love my, all my apparel. I do love, I love that people ask to stop my industry and tell me, oh, I love it. Or, oh, what does it mean? Or, Where did you get it? And whenever I'm like so tired from working or like, oh, is it even going to work? And somebody is spotted or it does start a conversation about endless, it just gives me such a high. That's the point, isn't it? Yeah. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do? I eat. <laughs> I, I was going to say drink, but the truth is that I rather eat my calories. Really? Oh, yeah. What's the best thing you've ever let go of? Let go of? Mm. Um, thing or person? Uh, um, you should have sent me those before so I could have prepared. No, they're quick fire. Uh, shit, I'm not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, toxic people. Good. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so, sorry it was like all over the place. I don't even know if that was four or five, but who cares? Um, so, feminishop.com on Instagram. Yeah. The Feminist Shop on Facebook. Feminishop.com. on Facebook. Yeah. Are you on Twitter? Yeah. Feminist Shop. It wouldn't fit the whole thing. Okay. And where else? That's if and we want to reach out. Yeah. Hello, thefeminishop.com. I at thefeminishop.com or just in the website or anything, but do talked mm. to reach out and let me know and to me it's very important to co-create with the people and I just want to hear what do they need to be how can we do to all get better mm. at this because I'm learning Chris is learning and we just want to be a hub where we all collaborate to make this mm. a movement and better and spread the F word awesome thank you so much thanks for listening and Leave a review, subscribe, yeah, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.